want to start out today with kind of a confession, and, and most people love it when I do that because it makes everybody feel normal. Um, and so today, my confession is that I'm a, I'm a dog person. I used to make fun of dog people. I used to, like, when people, I saw people riding down the road with their dogs in their car, um, I just thought that was weird. Like, the dog belongs in the back of the truck. That's the era I grew up in, okay? Um, and I don't need anybody telling me, oh, my gosh, don't put a dog in the back of the truck. It could fall. I, I know, I know. But I grew up in the era where kids rode in the back of the truck on the interstate, all right? That's why, that's why I'm probably a little messed up. Anyway, so I, I used to make fun of dog people, especially especially the people that would let their dog sleep with them in the bed. I just thought that was weird. I thought, no, the dog belongs where, outside or like in a – like maybe a little pallet or something, but not in the bed. And then I got Chance. Chance is my dog. He's slightly demon-possessed, but I love him so much. He's, 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 he's full of energy, always full of energy. And a few weeks ago, he was, um, and he always sleeps next to my bed. He's got a little crate. It's technically a cage, but I don't think you're supposed to call it that. Anyway, so um, it's, it, he sleeps in a crate, and it's got a lot, nice little bed in it, and he just loves it and great. Well, a few, few weeks ago, um, Philip was over, we were kind of going over some stuff, and his dog and my dog play so well together. So outside, and they're just tearing up the yard, and Chance got hurt. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he stepped on something or whatever, but his little paw was hurt. He's kind of limping around. Looking back, I think the whole thing was an act. I think it was faking. But um, he came in the house, and I kind of looked at the paw several times, and I'm kind of messing around with it. And I did, you know, I didn't Google it, because if you Google what's wrong with your dog, they'll say either your dog stepped on something or it's going to die. And, and so you kind of leave Google alone. But that night, getting ready to bed for bed, um, when I crawled up in my bed, instead of getting in his crate, Chance crawled up in, in the bed with me. And I was like, this is, okay, you sit here for a few minutes, but like when it's time to get in your crate, you got to go to your crate. And so, so after a few minutes, I just looked at him and said, it's time to go to your crate. And he just kind of looked at me. I said, it's time to go to your crate. And he had those big eyes, big, literally puppy dog eyes. And I was like, all right, one time. But don't get used to this. And he kind of snuggled his little head. So he sleeps with me every night now. That's, that's, how, it, that's how it started. That's, that's how it started out. I said all that to say this. At night, usually Chance has two speeds. It's either on crack or in rehab. All right, I can say that. I, so anyway, on, I mean, he is like wide open. Or, but when he goes to bed, he's super calm. So we're laying in bed um, last week. We're laying in bed. And I'm, I'm on my phone. I'm doing all the things the experts say not to do. I'm, I'm doing some emails and stuff. Chance is laying next to me. He's super calm at night. All of a sudden, he looks at our bedroom door and starts to growl. Now, he didn't do that. He just, he didn't growl. So, but it's like a cute growl at first. It's like, I was like, it's okay, buddy. I said, it's okay. It's okay. Just don't, just calm down. It's fine. I don't know what it is, but it's fine. Whatever. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, he, the hair stands up on the, look, back in the, he stands up, and he's like, and he's never done that. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like, hey, buddy, what's, what are you barking? Like, because somebody's in my house. At this point, somebody's in my house. Next thing I know, he's up on all fours at the edge of the bed, barking at the door. And so I've got two guns in my nightstand. I got a, I got a revolver and a clip. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm just going to shoot through that. I'm, I'm literally freaked out by this point. Um, it was it was our new chair that he was barking at. It was the new chair. For some reason, it just but it reminded me that fear is contagious. Is it not? 
Like, fear is contagious. I was perfectly calm until my dog freaked out. And when my dog freaked out, I freaked out and about shot through my wall because I was fearful. Fear is contagious. Now, I, I, love, I love it when you get scared and people kind of step into your life and go, oh, don't be scared. Oh, well, thank you very much, Captain Obvious. You just helped me out so much. I know that the Bible says, I, I've seen this so much on Twitter. I've seen this so much on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, we shouldn't be scared because the Bible says 366 times, one for every day of the year, including leap year. The Bible says, do not fear. Yeah, that's great. But I'm not there yet. Because there are times I get freaked out. Like when, the, when all the first, when the COVID-19 stuff first started coming out and they were going to say, they were saying that 2 million people were going to die. Remember that? Like you're going to walk into a grocery store and there's going to be like a COVID-19 cloud and you just walk right through it and like pass right, you're dead. I was fearful. When I saw the, when I saw the stock market go from 29,000 to like 20, I was freaked out. When I heard that what, what might happen, I was freaked. There are things that happen to you and to me, to all of us, that we fear. And, and if we're honest, a lot of times we'll step into a church or a Christian environment where people are so heavenly minded and they're earthly good, and they'll say, oh, if you're fearful, that means you just don't love God or that means you don't love Jesus or whatever. And this is all that fear is. This is all that fear is. This is my definition of fear. You won't find this on the internet or anything. This is Pastor P's definition of fear. Fear is forgetting that God is in control. That's all fear is. And every single one of us forget this. That's why the Bible says it 366 times, not as a rebuke, but as a reminder that you and I, as followers of Christ, we don't have to live in a constant state of fear. And, and, and I'll get into this in just a little while, if we're living in fear all it means is we've got to shift our focus because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Even though there are some scary things going on in the world, and guess what? When this crisis is over, there will be another one to replace it. We will have a crisis for the rest of our life. So we've got to decide today, are we going to live by fear or are we going to live by faith? Do not fear. I'm not there yet. But today, I hope we can get one step closer. Now, one of the, there's so many stories in the Bible you can use to kind of talk about this, but there's, a, there's one that I've always loved because, because of how it gets set up. And as I've told you for several weeks, I'm just seeing so many brand new things in the scriptures that I've never seen before. And so this story is going to be a lot of fun for us to go through. If you want to follow along, which let's be honest, most of y'all just look at the screen. That's what I do. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 kind of sets the story up. Here we go. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. Now, ordinarily, we just skip over this verse, but this verse is loaded, so let me kind of take a second and unpack it. The king of Aram and the king of Israel were at war. These were two kingdoms, and they were at war with each other. And the king of Aram always was coming up with different plans and strategies to attack the king of Israel. Israel represented God's people. 
And as we look at that, I just want us to be reminded that all of us live in a world at war. And this is one of the things that we say all the time, but there's, there's, a, there's a secondary part to it that we don't talk about because it's kind of scary. We always hear that God has a plan for your life, and I believe that, and it's awesome, but guess what? Enemy has a plan for your life too. To steal and kill and destroy. And one of his major weapons that he uses is fear. He shifts our focus from how big God is to the problem that is right in front of us. And all of us, all of us, me included, fall victim to that plan so often. Enemy's got a plan for us. And his main weapon is fear. But from this point, it gets kind of funny. This is funny. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. So the enemy keeps coming up with plans, and Elisha keeps telling him what the plans are. This reminded me, now some of you aren't going to know what this is, so I'm going to have to walk you through and explain it, okay? This is a game called Tecmo Bowl. It came out on Nintendo, not Super Nintendo. Nintendo. This is back in the day where you bought a game, and like once you bought the game, it was yours. You didn't have to keep purchasing upgrades all along the way. It wasn't that scammed. Like you bought the game, and the game was yours, and when it didn't work, you opened up the thing, blew it out, you put the little cartridge back in there, and it worked again. That's how this worked. Now, when you had Tech Mobile, Tech Mobile was, the, was a football game that came out, and you had four plays. You could run or you could pass. You could run this way or this way. You could pass this way or this way. This is actually the playbook, Philip, that Georgia still uses. Um, the, um, but anyway, this is you could run. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to say that either. That was good. Or you could pass. Now, here's the thing about it. If you, as the offense, picked this play and the person playing defense picked this play, then you couldn't run the play. Like, as soon as you hit start, like, the defense would, like, like you, as, as soon as, if you picked the opponent's play, you shut them down every time. If you picked the opponent's play, you shut them down. Now, let's go back and see what was happening. Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to that place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert. So the king of Aram kept coming up with battle plans, and Elisha would tell the king of Israel, oh, he's going to be there. Don't go there. And then he would come up with another plan, and, the king of, and, and Elisha would say, oh, he's going to be there. Don't go there. And this is just a reminder that even though the enemy has a plan, that God knows the enemy's plans. And God's plans are greater than the enemy's plans. If we will spend some time focusing on the Lord instead of focusing on the problem, he will lead us away from the problem. For instance, he'll be like, hey, don't return that text. Oh, snap. It just got real. And there's just few people in the room. Hey, don't take that call. Hey, don't go to that place. Like if we would just listen 
to the Lord, and, and I struggle with this just as much as anybody else, but if we'll just listen to the Lord on a consistent basis, he will lead us away from the enemy's plans because he knows the enemy's playbook. This is not like two equal forces going head to head. God reigns. God is supreme. God is in control. God is not watching 24-hour news networks trying to figure out how he's going to solve this crisis. He's already got it solved because he's outside of time. He knows the enemy's plans, and he's going to take the enemy's plans and use them for the greater good. That's what he always does. So he knows where the enemy's going to be. He knows what the enemy's going to do. He's using Elisha. And it, it gets tense in Aram. In fact, this, this, this is what happened. This is what, I, this is what I want us to understand before we go on. There is a fight for our focus. And where we focus will determine how we feel. The fight right now is for our focus. And this is what I know from my life personally and from so many others. If we're full of fear, it's not because we're focused on God. It's because we're focused on the circumstances around us. That's not me being mean. That's actually me saying anytime I'm filled with fear, it's not because I'm focused on God. It's because I'm fo fear is contagious. I'm focused on what is around me. Now, this is where it gets crazy because King of Arams, the King of Arams, Arams at Walmarts, and the King of Aram is mad. King of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Like somebody is telling my secrets. Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the King of Israel of my plan? Because I keep coming up with these great battle plans. And so, what, somebody, somebody's talking. So we're not leaving this room we figure out who it is. And I don't know what he was expecting, some guy in the back going, <laughs> it was me. Like, I don't, I don't know if that was in his head, but, but that, that's happening. And then this verse right here, this next verse, I read this this week, and I just busted out laughing because of how hysterical this was. Watch this. Then, it's, it's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, let's just pause for a second. Because it's not like he's telling them the battle plans. I, I, I live in the south. And in the south, this is from what I understand through conversation, you got front door talk. You know, I'm like, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How's your mom and them? Great. How's your mom and them? Can I come in? No, probably not. Got front door talk. Then you got living room talk. Living room talk, it gets a little bit more real. How's everybody doing? Okay. Oh, you're going to wear your sock. No, no, no. Take your shoes off. No, no, no. You're fine. Can I get you something? You got living room. And then you got bedroom talk. Now, would we agree that bedroom talk and front door talk are a little different? They should be. If not, I mean, I mean, I ain't judging. I'm just saying that's weird. If you answer your door going, hello. I, anyway, that's, dear God, that'll be on YouTube. Anyway, <laughs> this right here is legit. In other words, the officers are telling him, hey, you think he knows your battle plans? He knows what you're doing in the bedroom. 
In fact, we all kind of know because we read his blog. It was great. I mean, it was, it was interesting. And this pisses the king off because watch what he says. Go and find out where he is. Like, we got to find this guy talking about me in the bedroom. So we got to find him, king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. He, now, he could have sent an assassin. He could have sent, like, his version of the Navy SEALs. But uh-uh. He's talking about the bedroom. We got to shut this thing down immediately. We are sending troops. Go find out where he is. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. And Elisha thought he was safe in Dothan because they don't have internet or anything in Alabama. So he thought, I'm safe in Dothan. That's just a joke. This is not Dothan, Alabama. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. This is what you call intimidation. Have you ever been in a situation where you're surrounded by people that want to hurt you? I have. I was, <laughs> I was listening to, um, I was listening to, to Toby Keith. Philip, I know you hate Toby Keith's voice because you're right here. <laughs> but he's got some good songs. He's got some good songs. And one of them is that song, um, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good as once as I ever was. I was listening to that song the other day, and it made me think about a time um, several years back ago when I did not know Christ. And a friend of mine, he, um, he kind of ran his mouth too much, and he got in a situation. And he, he came up to me and said, hey, I might have said some stuff I shouldn't have said, and I'm, I'm, I might get beat up. And I was just kind of wondering if you could kind of help get me out of the situation. Do you have my back? I was like, man, I have got your back. Wrong thing to say. Because about 30 minutes later, me and him are standing in a circle with 10 guys. Um, 10 guys are around us. A, a couple of them had like a, one had a knife. A couple of them had chains. I mean, it was not going to go good. It was like, it was me and him. He couldn't fight, by the way. And we were surrounded. Now, I was intimidated. I had people, were you scared? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was crapping my pants. Like, I was intimidated. And he was standing there running his mouth the whole time. I was like, you know what? If I just hit him... And they would be on my team, but but we were surrounded. All of a sudden, the cop showed up, and he 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 almost started running. I grabbed him and said, "Don't run! Don't run when the police show up. If you just stay put, they'll chase the people that run." Everybody around us ran. He stayed put, and so um, I, but I never will forget that how it felt to be surrounded. It's like you're surrounded. You're going to get beat up. That they were trying to intimidate us for their, and and that's what. Satan is trying to do to many of you. In fact, there's a lot of people watching today that you're dealing with fear. And the reason you're dealing with fear, don't miss this, is because the enemy sees more potential in you than you see in you. And if he can shut you down by intimidating you and causing you to fear, you'll back down from God's plan for your life. Have you ever thought that maybe the reason the enemy's coming after you so hard is because he knows that if you ever get in on God's plan, you're going to be unstoppable? In fact, I think the reason the enemy is trying to intimidate us is because he knows what God can initiate through us. There's somebody here watching right now, you're, you're watching online, and you've had this hope, you've had this thought, you've had this dream, you've had this plan, and fear 
is the only thing holding you back. And I'm saying right now, in the name of Jesus, if God spoke it to your heart, do it. Do not fear. For the one who was with us is greater than the one who is in the world. You can do exactly what God has called you to. Well, it gets crazier. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir. I think that's probably how he said it. Can't cuss in front of the prophet. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Now, I want to just pause for a minute. Let's just, let's just stop. If anybody should have had faith and confidence in God, it should have been the servant of the man of God. Am I right? This was Elisha's right-hand dude. He saw Elisha perform miracles that none of us have ever seen. Like, we've never seen some of the stuff that Eli Elisha pulled off some crazy stuff. Like he would heal him people. He raised people from the dead. I personally never seen that one. Would love to. Never seen that one personally. Elisha had seen some awesome, or Elisha had done some awesome stuff. And the servant of the man of God. In fact, he's, you can't get hard, you can't get any closer to God than being the servant of the man of God, right? If anybody should have had faith and confidence that God was big and that God was strong and that God could do anything, it should have been this guy. But as soon as he put his focus on the enemy, what was the result? Fear. All I'm saying is none of us are too godly to not deal with fear. It's going to happen. In fact, Jesus, you, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus often tells his closest followers, do not fear. It's a reminder, not a rebuke, because we all lose our focus. The servant of the man of God lost his focus and looked at the size of the enemy with with. with Troops, horses, and chariots. I mean, this is, he's coming at Elisha with everything he had. By the way, the, 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 the harder the enemy's coming after you, the more he is intimidated by you, Christ in you specifically. So, this is what happens. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. Which, once again, this is, this is, this is that's never worked for me. That's never worked for me. I'm freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. Hey, man, don't be afraid. Oh, my God, that was amazing. Write a book. Here, that, that, that's never worked. Just don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. Some of you are freaking out because of the situation, the current circumstances. Maybe you lost a job or whatever, and somebody kind of steps in and goes, don't be afraid, and, and it only makes you more afraid because you're afraid that you're afraid. Like, I, that, it, it works on me, too. Elisha just said, don't be afraid. But there was something that followed up. He said, don't be afraid. For there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, let's just be honest. If you are the servant of the man of God and you see horses and chariots all around you, 
And the, the man of God comes up and goes, hey, man, don't be scared. We got more people. In that situation, I'm like, all right, you've been to Colorado where it's legal, obviously. <laughs> you've been to a puff, puff give. I mean, that, that, I mean you, you are high on something. There are, there are more with, uh, I, listen, I'm, I'm not great at math, but there's like one, two, one, two, one, two, even if we double count them, one, two, three, four. And they're like, there's a lot, a lot of people. But then this happened, and this is what I'm praying happens for us today, as all of us in some capacity are dealing with fear. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. See, there, there, there's something that happens when we just look at things from a purely human standpoint. But no matter what that thing is in your life that's causing fear, I wonder what would happen today if all of us watching this message would literally say, okay, God, open my eyes and let me see this situation like you see the situation. God, open, open my eyes because the, uh, the servant of the man of God thought they were going to have to fight. And, and it wasn't going to be a very long fight. Like they were going to get killed. Two people versus army, they were going to get killed. And Elisha says, you're looking at this all wrong. Stop looking at it from a man's point of view and look at it through God's point of view. Oh, Lord. Open his eyes and let him see. And when he looked up, the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, remember we talked about that a few weeks ago, you got to look up. He saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses, chariots of fire. You see, he, he thought we're surrounded what he didn't know is God had actually surrounded the enemy that surrounded him because God is bigger than the enemy. God is bigger than the problem. God is bigger than the circumstance. God is bigger than the thing that has us shaking in our shoes. Oh, Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes, Lord. Open his eyes and let him see. And, and I, I can't prove this. I can't prove this. But I'm willing to bet as soon as the servant of God saw the horses and chariots of fire, he was just like, thank you, God. Thank you. Well, the enemy's not done. He's still coming. So, so I love this. As the airman army advanced because they were coming toward him, Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, please make them blind. It's like a forward prayer. Please make them blind. Please make them blind. That's it. Please. It'd be like praying, please help me out. Please hear my prayer. Please open my eyes. It, it doesn't take a long 30 or 45 minute prayer. It's just super simple. Oh, Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha asked. And the thing that had caused fear in the, in the servant of the man of God actually became a stepping stone for faith 
But because of this event, he knew that God was and is in control. So the prayer, the prayer that I'm hoping we all walk away with today is this, Lord, help me not to fear by reminding me that you are near. I might be surrounded, but you have surrounded my enemies. He's trying to intimidate me. You're trying to initiate me to press on. We have a God who really does reign and who really is in control. And at the end of the day, I think we got to go back to the servant of God and the man of God. I think this this, this posture, I surrender. This is how we fight our battles. You know, this week I was working on how to close the message and I was in my house, I was by myself and I sat down at the piano and a song came to my heart and I was like, I don't, I don't want to sing. I don't feel like singing that song because of the situation that I'm in, that we're all in, it's kind of crazy. And God reminded me that if we only sing when we feel like singing, then, then that's, that's not locked in. But scripture says over and over again, bring the sacrifice of praise. Meaning even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to bring it. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to praise you, God, because you're in control. Even when I don't feel like you're near me, I'm going to praise you like you're near me. Even when I feel like I'm losing, God, I'm just going to stop and have the faith that I am winning. This right here, this is how I fight my battles. Because at the end of the day, you reign. So pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over these next few moments. God, as we bring you a sacrifice of praise to close this service. God, that you will speak to our hearts. God, I know there are so many of us right now dealing with fear, dealing with uncertainty, dealing with hopelessness, dealing with doubt. Father, I pray right now that you would speak specifically to the person who needs to take that step of faith and fear is the only thing holding them back. God, that you would fill them with faith over these next few moments instead of fear. And God, how we fight our battles would be a sacrifice of praise. In Jesus' name I pray.